portion. We're turning this morning in the Word of God to the book of Philippians on to the chapter 4. As Keith announced, Lord willing, tonight, my wife Christian will be alone to minister in song tonight, so we trust that will encourage you to come um, to be with us in the evening gospel service. Book of Philippians chapter 4, and we'll commence to read at the verse 1. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Iodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which laboured with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other fellow labourers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of one. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my afflictions. Amen. And we know that the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Just let's bow in a word of prayer before we come to the ministry of God's word. (coughs) Our loving, eternal, heavenly Father, we wait on now in these moments around thy word. And we pray for a conscious sense of thy presence. We thank thee that thou was given to us in our mother tongue, the word of God. We rejoice that we can come and we can read the revealed will of God. Even as we gather in thy house today. We pray for these moments now that thou wilt take us up with the things of God. We pray that our minds will be centered upon not what will be said by man but that there will be the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. Thy word will be applied by the Holy Ghost to each of our hearts, and that thou wilt save us from merely going through the routine. Save us, Lord, from merely delivering words, 
But oh, that we would uh, this day preach in the power of God the Holy Spirit. We pray that there will be the moving of God the Holy Ghost in all our hearts as we gather around thy word. And that as we leave we will be assured, like young Samuel, Lord, that thou hast spoken to us. We would say from the depths of our heart this morning, Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Oh, take away every hindrance, take away every distraction, take away everything that would be of the flesh. And in these moments now, may we sit like one of old at the seat of the Master. May we sit at the feet of the one who has loved us, the one who has given himself for us. May these be moments of blessing. For we ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. I'm always conscious when I come to minister the word of God that I feel a wee bit like the wee boy that was in church one Sunday and he was looking around him. Of course in older churches you always find a lot of various plaques that are uh, around the building. And he said to his father, he said, Dad, he said, what does all those things mean? What does all those plaques mean? And his father said, son, he said, those are people who died in the services. And the boy says, well, it was at the morning service or was it the evening service? So I trust that that will not be the case this morning, that we'll pay attention to the word of God and that we'll know the Lord's presence as we minister his truth. The American billionaire John D. Rockefeller was once asked how much wealth would make him happy. His reply, just a little more. Well did Solomon say the eyes of man are never satisfied. In the book of Proverbs chapter 27 and the verse 20. Usually we seek to find contentment in possession of things. Believing that these things we desire will make us content. The attitude, needing or wanting more, is the very antithesis of Christian contentment. The contrast is stark. Where the carnal man increasingly demands just a little more. The godly man has learned with the Apostle Paul in the words that we have read together this morning in the 11th verse of Philippians chapter 4 where he was able to say not that I speak in respect of want for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He is content with such things as he has as Paul said over in Hebrews 13 and the verse 5 and the godly man proves the truth of those words in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. So in this age of discontentedness, in this age when there is so little contentment, the challenge for us as we gather in the house of God this morning is content or not content. That is the question. And I want us in these concluding moments as we come to the word of God to ask the question very simply to your heart. Are you content? What is it that brings to you a settled peace of mind? 
What is it that brings to you in the midst of all the changing circumstances of our lives and there are many? What is it that is the anchor that you lay hold upon? Oh, we see so much around us in this day in which we live and there are so many and they're looking for contentment, they're looking for peace, they're looking for joy, they're looking for all the things that can bring them that inner satisfaction. But oh, like the words of the hymn writer, they can say, I tried the broken cisterns, Lord, but all the waters fail. Because when they go home, they lay their head upon the pillow. And when the darkness comes in around them, there's no contentment, there's no peace, but rather there's a fear. There's a fear because all their possessions, all their pleasures haven't brought to them the contentment that they thought they would. You know, that can also be a thought of the child of God sometimes, as we'll come to see. And so I want us to think this morning upon the subject. Contempt or not content? That is the question. First of all, we see contentment described. Contentment described. What is this contentment? So what is it that gives, as the Apostle Paul said, us great gain? He said, Godliness with contentment is great gain. What is it that will bring to us a great gain? What is this rare jewel that he describes and makes reference to here in Philippians chapter 4 where he was able to say that he had learned in whatsoever state he was in therewith to be content. The word content in this 11th verse of Philippians chapter 4 literally means having sufficiency in oneself or to be independent of circumstances, conditions or surroundings. To live independently of your surroundings and all of that that is happening to you is to be truly content. This does not come naturally. It's not the natural state of man to be content. The word of God describes the ungodly as the waves of the sea. There's not an accurate peace in the heart of the unregenerate because there is no rest, there's no peace to the wicked. We can never find true peace. We can never find true contentment. We can never find true joy until we find Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ said, and I love those words in John 10, 10, that here the Savior says that he's come to give us life and he's come to give it to us more abundantly. It was Thomas Watson, that great divine who observed a gracious spirit is a contented spirit. The way for a man to be contented is not by raising his estate higher, but by bringing his heart lower. Think of that. Think of what the old Puritans, you know, are great. I have a little book at home. I have many books at home. My wife often says it's a pity you don't read them all, but I delve in and out of them. I'm one of those people who just sort of delves in here and there, and I'll just go and I'm sort of. Maybe I'm a discontented sort of an individual in a sense when it comes to reading. But there's a little treasury of Puritan quotations. Fill your soul just to, just to read over them. Just to think, take those little phrases. And here's what, here's what Thomas Watson said. He says to be content 
It is not by raising his estate higher, but by bringing his heart lower. To understand this gospel grace, I think we need to maybe also say what it's not. What it's not. Well, it's not an acceptance of fatalism. You see, there used to be a phrase, and it's still around, whatever will be, will be. The late Dr. Alan Kearns, my former minister in Hebron, many years ago, of course, Dr. Kearns had been in Ballymoney for 15 years and then went to the United States and had been there for 30 years and then retired and came back home to be in Ballymoney. But he used to really despair when he heard people use that phrase, whatever will be, will be. It's not scriptural. That's fatalism. Rather, we trust in a God who's sovereign, in a God who is in control, and in a God in whom we trust in his providential care. The psalmist David, turn with me over to Psalm 57. (coughs) You see this laid out in the Psalm 57 when the psalmist David had his perspective right in these things. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What did he say in the verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 57? Be merciful unto me, O God. Be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. I will cry unto God most high. Unto God that performeth all things for me. You see, David realised there was calamities. David realised there was circumstances that had come his way, that there were situations that he found himself in. But yet he said, I will cry unto thee, most high, unto God that performeth all things for me. He was still the one who was in control. He was still the one who was sovereign. So to be content is not, as it were, to cast our caution to the wind is not to live as though uh, whatever will be, will be. No, it is rather to rest. It is rather to lay hold upon the sovereign plan and purpose of an almighty God. It's not fatalism. It's not also the attitude of stoicism. You see, there there are some who would, in the midst of circumstances, as it were, they would have the stiff upper lip They would, as it were, steal themselves and within some strength that is within themselves they would sort of carry on regardless of their problems. Rather, as another Puritan put it, he said, that sweet inward quiet gracious frame of spirit which firmly submits to and delights in God's wise and fatherly disposition in every condition. Then we can sing with the words of the hymn, Content whatever lot I see, tis my God that leadeth me. Child of God, there are paths that we are asked to take. We cannot understand the reason why. There are journeys that you and I are permitted in the divine providence of a holy God that we cannot understand. But yet we rest <clears throat> in the truth 
that his ways are best. Contentment. Describe. <clears throat> but I want us also in the second place to think about contentment disturbed. You see, this life is not all honey without bees. This life is not all sun without showers, and we know that in the past few days. This life that we live as a people of God is not always a bed of roses without thorns. And sadly, it is not always the state of the child of God to be, as the Apostle Paul said, that he had learned, as we'll come to look at in a moment or two, to be content. We're not always in the place where we're resting in the sovereign will of God. We're not always in the place where we're depending alone upon the one who is our God rather than looking to the circumstances and situation that is around us. It would seem that there had arisen in the church at Philippi some problems. Some problems that had caused great concern to the Apostle Paul. Some problems that led him in this book to say even there in the verse 21 of the third chapter as that portion comes to a conclusion. He said, Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able to subdue all things to himself. And it would seem that the Apostle Paul is here dealing with difficulties and troubles and trials that had come by the church at Philippi. And he's going to give them advice as to how they can deal with these days of uncertainty, these days of difficulty, these days of trial. And I think that when we come into the fourth chapter, he alludes to some of the things that can rob us of our contentment, that can rob us of standing fast, that can rob us of being settled in the perfect will of God that is his portion to the child of God. And one of the first things that I think he deals with is in verse 1. He deals with the problem that can disturb our contentment, and it's the problem of defeatism. Notice what he says in verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. And he was coming here to remind the believers at Philippi that they were inclined to yield ground. They were inclined to retreat. They were inclined under the pressure of this pagan city to, as it were, to give way. One position for power in order to remain steadfast and constant. The one way that they would be and have this contentment. He gives us a little phrase that is a blessing to us because notice what he says in verse 1. Therefore my dearly beloved brethren, beloved and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. He reminds them of their position in Christ. 
He reminds them that no longer are they in the world, no longer are they in sin, no longer are they in that position where they are in enmity with God, but they have been brought by the grace of God into a saving relationship with Christ, and now they're in Him. Oh, what a blessing, child of God. And when we look around us this day, and we see all the adversaries that are arrayed against the church of Jesus Christ, we see all the difficulties, we see all the problems, we see all the onslaught, or the onslaught of the ungodly. We live in a day when truth is trampled in the street. We live in a day when right is called wrong, and wrong is called uh, right. We live in a day when there is no absolute truth. The truth can be to you whatever it wants to be. That doesn't do away with what the truth is revealed in God's word. And here the Apostle Paul comes to these believers and he says to them to ensure that they remain rooted and contented in the things that they have learned, he said, stand fast in Lord. Don't allow the world to encroach upon your contentment. Don't allow the world to come to the place where it brings you, as it were, into a place of despair. But oh, rest in the truth that you are one who has been grounded and brought into a saving relationship with Christ. There are many times, and we're not going to take time to go through them in the New Testament, where the Apostle Paul uses that little, that little phrase, stand fast. Stand fast. Many today talk about standing fast. Stand fast for all the wrong things. I went last night with my wife to Portrush and there was a parade in the town. I have to say I came away home with a sorrowful heart. Because we have many today and those events have only become, as it were, an occasion for sin. A cover to live their lives according to the way they want without any reference to God. So sad to see the rise of alcoholism in our land. And it's destroying homes. It's destroying lives. It's destroying families. I, Christian families. And we need to know what it is in this day to stand fast in the Lord. To stand fast in the faith. To stand fast in the fellowship. To stand fast in the freedom. To stand fast in the fullness of Christ. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. And the Apostle Paul said, You be very careful that defeatism will rob you of your contentment. We can easily get our heads down. We can easily get to that place where we look around us and we see all the circumstances of this old evil world in which we live. The child of God can stand fast in him. Defeatism can rob us of our contentment. Something else that can rob us of our contentment. Disunity. Paul went on to talk about two women in this congregation. 
It's interesting that woman in in the church of Philippi had a very important place. You remember when Paul came to preach the word of God, he found Lydia, found those women who were at the side of the river and they were they were they were praying. Now he comes to mention in this fourth chapter two other women that were in the congregation and they were called Iodias and Santiki. But he has something to say concerning them. Notice he gives them he gives them an encouragement. He gives them a word of of encouragement, but also a word of rebuke. But he, he says, I beseech thee, Iodias, and I beseech Santeki, and they be of the same mind in the Lord. He's not saying that they must think alike in every situation. But to be of the same mind in the Lord. You see, there can be diversity without division. There can be difference of methods without diversity of minds. There can be disagreement without the partner. And Paul was saying this contentment that he's going to speak about in verse 11, that he had learned to to dwell or to flourish in his own heart. He said there are certain things can rob you of that contentment. One is defeatism. The other is disunity. And he encourages these women here to be of the same mind in the Lord. That is an encouragement to us even today because we're all different and we have all different attitudes and we have different ways of doing things. But but here Paul comes to this fellowship and he said... I, I beseech thee. There's something of a, an urgency. There's something of a real importance here when he uses that word, I beseech thee. He, he was appealing to these two women and he says to them, be of the same mind in the Lord. Don't allow whatever it is to be your difference, to cause such a division that it has an impact upon the fellowship that you have here in Philippi. Because all around you the old enemy is always seeking to find occasion, to find fault and to find a way in through the door. Be of the same mind. I think, and I digress a little, I think he, he expounds upon this issue of the same mind when he comes into verses 8 and 9 of the chapter and he said, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And I tell you, a mind that's settled upon those things won't be a mind that's wanting to cause division in the church. A mind that's set upon those things won't be causing difference to become an issue of division. Something else that'll rob us of our contentment is not only disunity and defeatism, but depression. Verse 4. The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice 
in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I think we could conclude from this verse that the Apostle, as he heard all that had been going on in Philippi, he concluded that the spirits of the saints was running low. Defeatism, disunity, can only lead to depression. We can easily lose our soul. We can easily come to that place where our mind is so burdened down by all of those issues that are surrounding us that we're not rejoicing in the Lord. Oh, we put on the suit, we put on the clothes, we come to the house of God, we sing, we leave. But our hearts are heavy. We live in a day and age when the issue of mental health is a real problem. It's something that shouldn't be cast aside. It's something that shouldn't be treated lightly. And here the Apostle Paul says to these believers, despite all the problems, despite all the difficulties, rejoice in the Lord. Where was Paul? Where was Paul when he was writing this epistle? He was under house arrest. He was chained on occasions to a soldier. He, he was in circumstances that were bleak. He was in circumstances that were dire. He didn't know what his future held. But he knew the one who holds the future. And he was able to say, I know him I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I committed unto him. Against that day. So the question to you and I this morning is, are we content? Or are we just going through the motions of a life that's not rejoicing in the Lord? Not rejoicing in His goodness, not rejoicing in His grace, not rejoicing in all that He has done for us and His promise to do through us. And our source of rejoicing and contentment is in the Lord. We'll be able to say with Habakkuk in that little book of his, and he said these words in Habakkuk 3 and verse 17. Lo, the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vine, the labour of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. Flocks shall be cut from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer and to my strength instruments. When you're in rock bottom, when all the circumstances around you are the same as what Habakkuk had said, we can rejoice in this. The Lord's salvation never ceases. The Lord's sovereignty never changes. The Lord's strength never collapses. And he was able to say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy 
in the God of my salvation. Finally, contentment described, contentment disturbed. But then we have contentment displayed. See, the Apostle Paul had many differing circumstances in life. I think sometimes, you know, when we come to think about men like the Apostle Paul, we think that they were they were supermen. That somehow they were they were they were different than you and I. They weren't a bit. Just flesh and blood. Paul, in a number of places, not a time to turn to them as we conclude, but he, he outlined all the, the various things that had happened to him. In shipwrecked, he had been beaten, he had been disowned, and sometimes even by God's people. It seems as though that there had been, for a, a time, even this church at Philippi, this place that he had seen prosper and seen this church brought into existence. It seems as though that for some time, notice what he says in, in verse 10, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at least your care of me hath flourished again. He's alluding to something that maybe they had, they had maybe forgotten about him. But now it had flourished a, a, again. The word there, flourished, if you have a, a marginal reading, it, it says revived. And you know, we can easily forget about God's servant. We can easily forget about the missionary who goes to the mission field and we say, we'll remember you. And they're not long away until we've forgotten about them. And here the Apostle Paul, he, he despite all of that, he was saying this. Verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of all, for I have learned I have learned in whatsoever state I am, I am therewith to be content. It's a learning process. It's not something that you learn at school. And I'm very glad of that because I wasn't just the world's greatest pupil. Two things I loved about school. And be careful what I say, these young people are here not discourage them. With lunchtime and going home time. You know, here's a lesson, young people. You need to learn. We're not learning in the classroom. Sadly, if there are those who have their way, we'll see other things being taught in our classrooms that are all the devil. We live in dark days, and we need to awaken to what's going on out there. But the Apostle Paul said, I have learned. Learn by experience. Despite all the things that had gone on around them, despite all the disappointments, despite all the disunity, despite all the defeatism, despite all of the circumstances that Paul had found himself in, he said, I have learned to be content. As we conclude, I think that Paul gives us the answer to all of this. By the words of verse 13, when he says, I can do all things through Christ. You see, if your focus is upon your circumstances, then your eyes are not upon the Savior. 
if your focus is upon individuals, it's not upon the sea. If your focus is upon getting through the best you can, your eyes are not upon the Saviour. But Paul said in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ. He is the object of our faith. He's the one that we look to. He's the one that we depend upon. He's the one who's redeemed us. He is the one who rescued us. He is the one who will take us through. You know, the sad reality is, Many times our gaze is not upon him. We look at the circumstances around us and we determine those circumstances and we'll work our way out and we'll find our way out and we'll, we'll do it ourselves. No, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. So I wonder this morning as we conclude, content or not content? What are you resting your contentment on today? Your bank balls? Your job? Your family? Your fellowship? I found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. I trust that as you go through those doors this morning and head back out into the world that you live in, and as I head back to the world that I live in, we live in the same world, obviously, but I mean in that sense of you know, your circumstances. You don't know my circumstances. I don't know yours. Most of the people in this fellowship I don't know. And you don't know me. But I know that there are problems that I've faced this week. That alone, if I have not Christ, I'd not be content. The old devil will rob us of our joy. He'll rob us of our peace of mind. But we can say with Paul, I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank thee that we can come to thee knowledge that thou art the one who is and though our situations differ we thank thee our saviour is the same and we pray that you'll bring us to that place where Paul was able to say I have learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be write my word upon our hearts may thy word continue to be a blessing to each of thy people these things in the Savior's name. Amen.